right. We're recording. Let me get to my thing. Beverage. Welcome to episode. I saw I saw your mouth making that W sound. I was like, mm, I ain't ready yet. Still sipping. Welcome to episode 329 of the Design Details podcast. I'm Brian Levin. And I'm Marshall Bach. <laughs> Welcome back to another episode. Brian in the house. We're in the studio <laughs> looking at each other in the eyes. Uh-huh. Eye contact. It's hard to focus. That's why I hesitated. Like, <laughs> yeah, I was like... The Design Details this podcast? Is, yeah, it is a <laughs> podcast, I think. Yeah. It's happening, everybody. I'm, I'm in San Francisco. We will have more of these starting in February. We're about to have a few remote ones, but uh, we're sneaking in one studio episode. While you're in town, yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, we have some new supporters this week. We do. Huge shout-outs to Kevin Gutowski. K-Gut. Long-time uh, friend of the pod, tweeter at the pod, discusser on the tweets. Now uh, fam of now the fam pod. Now fam of the pod have registered like 30 minutes after we recorded our last episode so uh, okay. just missed uh 328 so thanks kevin uh michael powers been tweeting at michael a lot as mm-hmm. well mm-hmm. ollie taylor jason Jun, gunner gray damian menard oxman cool name jonathan prozzi prozzi and patrick marks thank you one and all if you didn't know we're a listener supported show you can uh, support us on Patreon, patreon.com slash design details. We're also supported this week by Sisu. Sisu is looking for a thoughtful and data savvy designer to help build the next generation of analytics software. You can find out more at sisu.ai. That's S I S U.ai. We're also sponsored this week by Flywheel. Flywheel is a delightfully designed, managed WordPress hosting platform thoughtfully built for busy creatives. Streamline your workflow with their slick platform and sweet set of workflow tools perfectly made for designers. Get started at getflywheel.com slash design details. And finally, thank you to Pathrise. Pathrise is an online mentorship program that gets you a job at a top tech company. Learn more at pathrise.com slash details. All right, Marshall, we got some follow-up. We do, as per usual. So last last episode, we talked about our goals for 2020 mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and neglected to mention any goals for like this thing. <laughs> like, <laughs> what's the podcast going to do in 2020? <laughs> yeah, I was, uh, I was in the process of editing and I was like, maybe we should have included some stuff about the podcast on this <laughs> podcast, huh? Yeah, it is way more like personal and yeah professional professional but mostly personal who cares yeah so what are we doing on the podcast in 2020 brian okay so let's work through a few i think we could start with just like how the patreon is going because i think that's kind of like the big experiment on our mind oh yeah so we started that in october and we just crossed 100 patrons huge crazy that's insane thank you everyone that's amazing like think about how many podcasts there are like how many podcasts you listen to mm-hmm, like a mm-hmm. hundred of you out there have chosen to support us so thank you that's great it means so much seriously and we have set some milestone goals so our next milestone is at 128 so i mm-hmm. think that's going to happen this year a nice round number 128 yeah i hope if we get there and so at 128 we're gonna make some merch we're gonna figure out how to do it i've started yep. researching mugs <laughs> i would like a design details mug so and it depends like, mug 
Yeah, that'd be nice. Yeah. Uh, I want a fucking crew neck. I really want a sweatshirt, hoodie, sweater hoodie, of some kind. Yeah. I'd be down with t-shirt. T-shirt I have enough of. So yeah, I'd I got kind of be down with something else. Plus, it's winter. Give me some outerwear, you know? Yeah. yeah. Well, if we cross 128 in January, that would be crazy. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, you can help us get there. Yeah, we can make some wintertime merch. So close. We're at, what, 104? 104, yeah. Yeah, so we're we're real close. I yeah. can do my math. 24. <laughs> That's just 24, which is also... A nice, uh, nice round number yeah, yeah. in our eight-point grid system uh, here. Keep us at multiples of four people. Thank you. Four per week would be ideal. There you go. Or more. Um, okay. So on that note, we're part of the benefits of being a supporter of the show is we're putting out bonus content. So we have bonus land episodes. We've done two so far. So we're mm-hmm. a little under the one per month pace, mm-hmm. but we're going to keep going in 2020. So at least a bonus land per month. That's the deal. Yep. Uh, and we'll have one. We'll have to do one in January remotely. We'll figure that one out. Yeah, that's fine. Not too bad. Uh, So bonus land per month. Should we talk about neomorphism on the next bonus land? Oh, sure. That's a good idea. Yeah. All right. This is if you if you haven't heard that term, we'll put a link in the show notes. But uh, neomorphism is the is the new thing on the block that people are talking about. All the kids. The hot new trend of the decade. (laughs) Yeah. Right. So hot right now. So hot right now. Uh, So uh, many drop shadows and gradients. Up shadows, those, up shadows, those up lights. Uh, yeah, so that's maybe that's a, okay. a topic worth talking about on bonus land. Neomorphism, bonus land episode three. There we go. Uh, we also have some other things that we want to experiment kind of tangential to the podcast. So uh, three things come to mind. The first is we want to start doing a, or at least experiment with some written content. Mm-hmm. So this will probably end up on designdetails.fm, but more like long form, kind of like our principles of design episode, like some of these milestone episodes of like content that could stick around and you could go back and refer to, like converting things like that to the written format with graphics to accompany. Mm -hmm. We could maybe figure out how to make them interactive or something. I'm not sure, but we can (laughs) start simple. Let's write a blog post. Under promise over deliver, Brian. Okay, we're going to write a blog post this year. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, but I want to just see if that's like a nice companion to the podcast because mm-hmm. we struggle a lot of times to talk about design because it's such a visual medium. We want to talk about interaction and this is a hard means to talk about that stuff. So that would be something nice we want to try. And if, if we'll probably uh, put those up on our Patreon first and eventually they'll make their way to the design yeah. details. Yeah, that's a good idea. That's a good yeah. idea. So it, in related to that as well is we're going to keep doing work on the website. So we have designdetails.fm. It's just a simple one-page website right now. We've got a list of all of the supporters on there, mm-hmm. most recent episode. It, it's just not, there's nothing to keep you going back to that site. But I think we can make some improvements to it. So when we start doing written content, we'll put that on designdetails.fm. Mm-hmm. But also we can start moving some of the show notes over to that URL as well. So right now all the show notes are on spec.fm, which is fine because that's our like parent network. But we could provide like a more cohesive design details, like a little corner of the web if we just put all that on our website. So we'll do that. And then the third thing that we're going to play around with more, if you've noticed our tweets recently, is we have little like video previews of Mm -hmm. each episode. So Marshall's been clipping like 30 second to a minute clips. It's like a little teaser for the episode. We put it on a video with a waveform. So it maybe catches your eye a little bit more on Twitter. You can get a taste of what the episode's going to sound like, and maybe that's a good way to help people move from Twitter to check out the show. 
brand new in 2020. Them, them sweet, them sweet graphics. <laughs> Social media graphics. Look at us. It looks cool. Every time we make one, I'm like, oh, that looks so cool. Yeah, it's fun. Okay. Uh, and then like a couple meta goals for the year. So the first one is we want to have a growth year. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't think we're not, there's not like a number. It's just like, it's fun to make things that more people use or engage with over time. Mm-hmm. And I feel like our Twitter has been really fun lately. Like people are tweeting at us and we can respond and like have fun conversations and we're getting good DMS with recommendations. And mm-hmm, mm-hmm. that is really rewarding. So if that is also like more people are listening to the show means we're making interest, more interesting content. Right. That feels like a nice heuristic for, yeah, we're growing and doing well. Yep. Yes. Okay. And then the last thing, this is sort of just the most recent development, but Marshall and I are taking the production of the show in-house. Mm-hmm. So for the last year and a half, uh, Drew has been editing the podcast and doing an amazing job. We always say at the end of every episode, Drew makes us sound smarter than we are, which is true. He cuts all the bad, dumb things that we say. Yeah. And we've also, of course, been working with Sarah. Sarah has been mastering the show since the beginning, so five years, mm-hmm. uh, which is pretty insane. Uh, but, you know, as Marshall and I have been ramping up just how much effort we're putting into the show, we realized we were already so close to just doing that production piece on our own. We're working on the website. We're doing a lot of prep every week, the show notes. Also, like, contributing to editing or suggesting edits after the first round. Yeah, managing the Patreon, Mm -hmm. uh, managing the website. We're, like, building little tools, like, keep all this stuff in sync, managing the spreadsheet. So we were just already doing a lot. So anyways, that's, I think, going to be the big change in 2020 is we're going to be producing the show ourselves. So two-man show. Me and you, buddy. (laughs) We're doing the whole thing. We're on our own. Um, So all I can say, you know, is... To Sarah and Drew, thank you so much if, if you hear this, if they yes. choose to listen back to this episode. <laughs> Why would they? Uh, thank you so much for thank you. for so much. Uh, for having made us sound so smart for so long. Yeah. Hope, well, okay. Hopefully uh, we don't fuck it up. Smarter than we are for so long. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But from now on, it will be me doing the mastering and me doing the editing. So if the audio quality or the content quality of the show drops directly attributable to Marshall. (laughs) Yeah. You know where to uh, point your pitchforks at. So, uh, if you want to keep up with what Sarah and Drew are working on, you can follow them on Twitter. Uh, we have links to their Twitter accounts on designdetails.fm and then, of course, in all of our show notes. So, uh, they're going to continue working on different shows on the spec network. So definitely still part of the process here, but that's it. Those are like, there's content, there's some meta goals, and then just like the energy that we're putting into the show is mm-hmm. just you and me. Let's do it. I'm excited about merch, man. It's going to happen this year. I really, really want a matte black mug Yeah, where the inside is like our design details green. Oh. I think that'd be nice with either our logo on the outside or it depends or something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That'd be nice. I want to I want to update the logo. I tried a little bit last year. <laughs> yeah, we can re- revive the logo redesign process. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. We'll see how that goes. I'll, I'll I'll try with a little bit more earnestness this time. It's hard cuz I I like our logo. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe I'll just evolve it instead of trying to redesign it. Here's the thing is I feel like we could have companion marks. Like I feel like if we were to make merch, like you could have design details in different typefaces, in stylistically different different colors, things like that. 
like so maybe you have a core mark but then you can branch out from that and have variants of or different taglines to different colorways things like that mm, you say colorway yeah yeah like think of this as though you're designing a, a new shoe it's like <laughs> you can have the nike logo is the brand but the shoe is like uh extension of that um it's called the swoosh or the check if you, if you want to get real deep on it but uh okay fine i know what you're saying i know i get it yeah. all right let's start thinking of some colorways okay Okay. All right. We've belabored this. We have a little bit more follow-up from 328. So last week, uh, I was talking about learning conversational Chinese as one of my personal goals. And we got a couple recommendations. So the first one came from Kevin Hogg. Kevin sent us a DM with a recommendation. It's called the Pimsleur method. That's P-I-M-S-L-E-U-R method. Pim particles? Yeah. Pim particles. Mm -hmm. Makes you real small. (laughs) Makes your brain bigger. Uh, Kevin says, you should look into the Pimsleur method for learning Chinese. They have a really great app and the focus is on learning languages conversationally first with added focus on pronunciation. You can learn simple conversational languages pretty fast with the method. I also got a DM from friend of the pod and fam of the pod, Brandon Weiss. Brandon said that he started with Duolingo first because he had used it for Spanish in the past and thought Mm -hmm. it was good. Mm -hmm. It says, unfortunately for their Chinese course, they mix Chinese characters in with opinion and then test you on the characters too. They assume that you want to learn to read Chinese, not just speak it. Ah. And reading Chinese is real fucking different beast, right? Different thing. So Brandon says, if you're only looking to speak Chinese, then learning it via Duolingo makes it significantly harder. Uh, he says, I tried a bunch of other apps and the only one that I really liked was Hello Chinese, which is at hellochinese.cc. So that's two recommendations, hellochinese.cc and the Pimler method, which has an app. Um, so I'm going to be poking at both of those. All I'm right. going to China tomorrow. I think it's <laughs> time. I'll be in China when this comes out. Uh, so hopefully I've picked up a word. Okay. And final piece of follow-up comes by way of Twitter. Michelle Liu says, love the product recommendations on design details, specifically the Interfont, now used on her personal website, hey. and the copilot.money budgeting app. Hey. Which, which we've talked about many times on the show. Yeah, my I've buddy. started using more, and you use it a lot. Yeah, it's on it's my home screen. Gorgeous, incredible app. Mm-hmm. Um, they got dark mode now. They re- they just added um, investments, so you can link mm-hmm. up your Robinhood or your I Acorns or your Fidelity. Stuff. I linked everything. Yep, me too. Yeah. It's great. Uh, that's copilot.money. It's mm-hmm. I think they're still on the invitation system, but so get this. I have a early access deal, and I think you have one too. I have one. Yeah. Okay. So here's what we can do: is if you want to get in. You'll get two months free. Uh, tweet at me. Or me. Or Brian. And the first person to tweet at each of us will get uh, our free thingy. So Two free months. Two free months for Copilot. Very- non- this is not a sponsorship, but we love nope. the app. Anyways, let's, let's wrap up, follow up, and get into some content. Yes. Some meat. As we say. We have a listener question this week coming to us by way of our GitHub repository. So if you go to github.com slash specfm, we have a design details repo, and if you want to ask a question, you can open an issue, and those issues are how we keep track of what we've answered and what we haven't, and we're a little bit behind. <laughs> we've sort of let a few build up. But also, we haven't gotten a ton of new questions lately, so it, it's balanced out. But 
uh, we should get more questions and we should start answering more questions. I feel like it swung back to Twitter. Like people just started tweeting at us again, which yeah. is fine. Yeah. Um, but Either way the, is valid. The issues help us keep organized. All right. So we have a listener question this week from Drew Clements. Drew asks, I've been working as a designer for a few years. I've done some web projects, but never any true product design. Is there a separation between a web and product designer? And if so, what are those separations? And what would I need to study up on the transition to product design? Quite the question. I'm going to lean on you for this one a little bit. And you and uh, we had a chat. We had a little yeah. we'll talk about this beforehand. And I'm not sure if we have a great answer for this, but Brian, you start. This is hard, and I don't think that there's going to be any clear-cut answers. So these are uh, opinions are our own. We'll do our best here. But here's here's the first thing that comes to mind for me is the title carries implications mm -hmm. even though titles differ between organizations. So I think you could say you're a web designer and still be working on a product. But I think if you say product designer it tends to imply something a little bit more holistic. So in that world, like traditionally, I think of a web designer being a subset of product design. You can design products that have a web component, but the product might span multiple platforms or operating systems or have a physical element to it, uh, have like maybe a closer relationship with the business levers of, of an organization. Whereas web design seems to just imply a subset of all of that. Um, that's not, that doesn't mean it's necessarily true. I, I'm just talking about like the implications of saying I'm a web designer versus I'm a product designer. Do you agree? Yeah. I, I'm not necessarily sure that it's a subset. I think it's a Venn diagram where there's overlap in the middle. Okay. I think that's can maybe be a, a better way to put it. Yeah. Yeah. I think you can be a web designer without being a product designer and vice versa, but you can be both or neither. <laughs> <laughs> You could do whatever the fuck you want. <laughs> Every permutation. It's a, it's Every... a two-by-two two grid. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, let me hit you with this separation. I think if you say web design, there are implications of something maybe a little bit more static, something like a marketing page or a home page or like an article view, whereas saying a product that is on the web seems to imply application, which might mean more interactivity, mm -hmm. authentication, mm -hmm. um, inter-user engagement, liking things, sharing things, messaging. Uh, it might imply like notification systems, like something that's more deeply engaging that you would log into. It's serving a very functional purpose versus a web designer, you could maybe say, we're building a new landing page for a campaign or we're mm -hmm. redesigning the homepage of theverge.com. We don't expect people to log in and like engage with this as a product, but they would go there and read it. It feels maybe a little bit more static. Consumptive. Yeah. yeah. Is that a distinction like static versus interactive? There's obviously exceptions to these. But... Yeah. I think another distinction between the two is uh, constraints, right? So being a web designer, when you say that, I think, okay, there are certain things that you can do and certain certain features that are available to you, but there are also certain constraints that you're going to have to think about that a person who's designing something for a native app on a phone or a tablet isn't going to necessarily have to think about, um, especially depending on the OS. There are, there are known knowns that you can say, okay, 
the vast majority of my users on this platform are going to be updated to the latest OS, and they're, which means I can use all of these APIs, and I only have a certain number of device screen sizes, etc. Whereas when you're on the web, you have to think about responsiveness, and you have to think about people having old browsers and using IE6 and shit. Is that still a thing? No, it's not. Okay, Most good. people don't even support IE11. Like, okay, good. It's been a while since I did yeah. any web design, Brian. <laughs> yeah, but that's a good point. Like, The platform that you put in the title implies the technologies and mm -hmm. the tools at your disposal, the input mechanics. Like, If you say, I'm a web designer, you have to account for not only touch input on mobile devices, but also pointer input, mouses mm -hmm. and scroll wheels and uh, different Cover states and like yeah. screen readers and things like that. There's just different concerns for that platform of the web versus saying I'm a mobile designer. Not that it's any better or worse. It's just a different set of constraints, different set of APIs, different set mm -hmm. of tooling and hardware and software, right? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Okay, so if we were to then say, how would you study up on transitioning from one to the other? Transitioning from web to product design. Okay. So if we're saying that a web designer is somebody who designs on the web, but not a product, right? So the far left side of this, uh, of this Venn diagram, not the middle. Okay. To get to the right side of the diagram or even the middle, you would need to learn all the product stuff, right? So that's user experience stuff, interaction, uh, gestures. There's probably platform. You're going to be crossing between platforms. If you ever think of doing mobile product, obviously that's a hot thing right now has been a hot <laughs> thing for a decade. And, and designing for mobile is very different from designing for the web. Designing for a finger is different designing for a mouse. Yeah. There might be different kinds of metrics that you design for. Like you might be, again, a web designer could care about all these kinds of things, but on the product side, you could end up on a team that's less revenue driven. Like, is this thing enjoyable to use? Do I feel happy using this product? Do I feel like my time was well spent using the product? Mm -hmm. Or conversely, it could be like thinking about how do I get people to use this more? So there, anyways, there might be like different metrics by which you measure uh, success. It could be different like organizational, just org charts, organizational structures of what the reporting is. And I think this is something that a lot of organizations struggle with is this distinction between marketing, brand, and product design. The separation between them can cause a lot of problems, but they are like, they can behave in different ways that like need different workflow and like ways of collaborating. So how does he get from the left to the right of that Venn diagram? Build side projects. Yeah go from problem statement to a solution that solves the problem using whatever tools solve the problem best, whether it's a website, an app, a blog post. Um, obviously, a blog post wouldn't be product design, but that process of going from problem statement to solution delivery and then measuring the impact of that. And to do that, you're just by the nature of having measured it and come up with a problem statement that has a metric that will prove its correctness, you will have to do some sort of research or talk to users. Obviously, if you're solving your own problem, that's much easier. There's probably some process parts in there of building a side project from start to finish that will walk or at least get you ramped up on some of these things. Yeah, when in doubt, just do. When in doubt, do. I don't know. This this feels like a really fuzzy area for me. Like, yeah, I think we've gone. I think we've gone as far as we can go. But basically, I think yeah. if, if you're working at a company where there is a public-facing, non-authenticated website, try to start working your way inwards. So inwards being 
from login and beyond, what is the experience that the user has on this website or product? So login flow, onboarding, content creation, discovery, like things that happen after the user's already chosen to use the product, that's mm-hmm. certainly going to be a different set of problems than getting them to sign up in the first place. Mm-hmm. Um, so working inwards might be a way to think about like transitioning. I did that at Buffer. Like when I first joined Buffer at the start of my career, my first task was redesign the about page, redesign the contact page, uh, create a job listing. I designed a job listing page. And then eventually it was, okay, well now there's this one part of the dashboard that needs some love, or there's this one part of the composer that's confusing. (laughs) But just started working my way in from external public to internal. The person's already decided to use it. They're engaging with the product. They're checking back every day. How do we make sure it's really easy to use, enjoyable to use, things like that. All right, that's part one. Let's Holy move shit. on. Drew, killing us. All right, yeah. <laughs> part two. I work with a team of traditionally print designers, and while they're good at what they're trained in, their ideas don't always transfer to the web very well. What's the best way to have them drop some of their print antics for web projects? Oh, don't, don't make them drop the antics, though. Yeah, I think there might be a phrasing problem here because I think there are good things about print design that would work very well on the web, but Mm -hmm. then there are things that exist in the print world that don't work on the web. Right. And I think the difference between those is an understanding of the medium, its constraints, and the Mm -hmm. possibilities of the medium moving off of a static page that is printed ink and paper. Mm -hmm. Uh, I think a good example to me that stands out is, I guess a lot of newspapers are doing this, but certainly the New York Times feels, if you go to the New York Times, it feels rooted in print culture. The way that content is organized in the grid, uh, the way that like the, even just the homepage feels like the front page of a newspaper in the columns and, and, columns and serifs, all that kind of thing. Yeah. But what they've done is they've evolved towards understanding the medium in making articles interactive, having moving media like photos, videos, graphs, charts, things like that that can update in real time. Mm -hmm. They're doing a lot more now with uh, stories that evolve and change the presentation as you scroll through them. So at different parts, the article feels different, Mm -hmm. even if the core of it is still a column of text that might feel rooted in print principles. So I, I, I wouldn't say it's about getting them to drop the print antics. It's like, how do we understand the principles of print that make sense in the web context and then extend them now that you have new capabilities? It could could be like a more positive sum conversation than like stop doing this thing because it doesn't work on the web. Yeah, this is, I I made the comparison before we started recording of, of, you know, print is peanut butter and, and web design is chocolate, put them together smash them up yeah 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 get some get some peanut butter in that chocolate you don't want to get rid of their peanut butter taste and turn them into chocolate you want to get that get that Reese's peanut butter cup going on you got chocolate in my peanut butter you got peanut butter in my chocolate you invented Reese's it's so good (laughs) but yeah like I'm sure you weren't trying to say how do I stop them from being who they are to to be more like a web designer it's more of like I think the goal here should be to help them translate their existing skill set uh, into this new skill set and, and adapt the new things to be effective at their new job in web design, but carry in all of the cool 
stuff they know from print that you don't necessarily know. Get some peanut butter in that chocolate, Brian. Yeah, agreed. I, I, I guess I would like a more specific thing that you're referring to, like what are the print what are the people with a print background doing on the web that isn't working? Um, and if it's not working, pointing that out with logic and reasoning and explaining why it doesn't work, either because it's confusing or it's not technically feasible, like having the conversation grounded in the logic of the transition in medium seems like a good way to start. Mm-hmm. And then if people are stubborn, maybe they don't want to design for their web. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, part three. Drew says, I'm a designer first who's learning to code. Nice. Yeah. How competent do I have to be at each before I become the coveted unicorn? (laughs) Unicorn emoji. Or should I just pick one and stick to it? Brian, you had the hottest of takes as a quick reply to this when uh, we, we started talking about this before. Please say again what you said to me. Here's my hot take. I don't think a unicorn is possible any longer. <gasps> I'm clutching my pearls. <laughs> but but Brian, I know how to code and design. What about me? What about me? <laughs> Products have just become so much more complex. Technically, the expectation of consumers the level of fit and finish that has to exist on every platform that you support. I think that to call yourself a unicorn, you would be implying that you can do uh, design from problem statement discovery phase through user research to interface to systems interface design to execution to implementation to performance to uh, back end front end. Mm-hmm and then add in across platforms. And then (laughs) I don't think that a product story is complete without marketing, authentication, like Uh user account creation. Like the the stack is just so tall and so wide when you start thinking about every platform for one person to be get all of this and execute well and like not just burn out and explode. I just don't think that's feasible. I think you could be a centaur if this is like a stunted unicorn, like you're halfway there. <laughs> Just the back half. That's like, yeah, I'm a designer primarily. I work on iPhone apps and I know a little bit of Swift. Like I understand the APIs of the platform. I understand how to maybe make a little side project, but maybe I'm not going to be like figuring out how to scale a client side caching system for a data heavy iPhone app. But you could have the conversation effectively with engineers who do that you're grinning what am i i'm I'm just still thinking about a centaur with like a horn taped to his forehead yeah yeah yeah. (laughs) it's like with a toilet paper roll like (laughs) kind of twisted Uh uh-huh yeah paper towel roll (laughs) taped on the front yeah (laughs) um and and there would be many slices of that right like you could be a designer that's great at implementing web android you might be a front-end designer who understands like data structures and you're really interested in like a GraphQL layer of a web app or, or just an app in general and you're like I've, I care about the shape of data and like how these things resolve and then I'm going to design how that data like gets presented on a screen but maybe I don't understand how to like set up and manage servers I don't know yeah I, I think to your point I think probably the closest anybody gets to a unicorn anymore is the ability to conversate right 
Is there a Duolingo for engineers? Uh, yeah. But yeah, basically the ability to talk the language, learn the lexicon, and, and uh, we've talked about this before, but, yeah. but but yeah, be able to communicate ideas back and forth, Yeah. Know, know the words, know how to talk their language, and that's about as close as you can be expected to get. There was a tweet I saw recently where it was like, when companies are trying to hire an engineer, it was like, must know, and then it listed out like seven or eight different things. And it was like, that's not a full stack developer. That's a, that's an entire department. That's a team, yeah. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So to expect that you would know how to do everything from beginning to end, you could spend a lifetime learn, becoming an expert at all of those things. And by the time you become a unicorn, you're in the ground. So yeah. get good at it. Be T-shaped, right? t-shaped and we should clarify there are people that exist in this world that are really fucking good at like yeah. three or four things and those people are exceedingly rare mm -hmm. but i don't know that they're good at like all the other things mm -hmm. that's why when the second part of your question should you pick one or or and stick to it or should you like continue learning to code i think you should continue learning yeah, yeah. Because, expand as much as you can. Yeah, it doesn't have to be the goal that like you do everything, but you could have the goal that I'm going to be a really fucking good collaborator with whichever engineer I'm working with next. I'm going to meet them halfway. I'm going to empathize with the problems that they're facing. I'm going to know how to talk the talk. Mm -hmm. Maybe I can lend a hand with some polish, mm -hmm. like all the tiny detail shit that they don't want to deal with. I can feel comfortable opening an editor, committing a change, merging it, like going through some workflows like that. But you don't need to get into the crazy, like deep technical stuff. Like that's what they've chosen to go deep on, right? And then mm -hmm. it's that marriage of the two roles that ends up making something greater than the sum. So, mm -hmm. yeah. And if you want to uh, have that street go both ways, you could make sure that they're involved in the design process as well and help them learn your stuff and help them learn your language. Yeah. Right? You know, one thing I've been thinking about lately is I guess for a while I'm a fan of the idea of just in time learning. But I've gone through phases where I spent a long time reading articles and watching videos of things, like trying to absorb information that I didn't need at that moment in time. Mm -hmm. And what inevitably happened is like six months later, when I needed to know it, uh -huh. I'd lost it. So I yep. started over again, mm -hmm. watched the videos, did the tutorials. Like Was it easier the second time? Maybe. Like maybe you can pick it up a little bit quicker, but I think you would have been just as effective to learn it at the same time as you're doing it. So when you're asking like, you're learning how to code, should you keep learning how to code? I would say keep learning what the job in front of you requires you to be learning and getting better at. Like if you're not building iPhone apps, but you want to learn Swift, it's gonna be harder if you don't have something to like work on. Um, there should be a, a project or a goal in mind, right? Yeah, this is what we talked about last episode. It's like, have have an idea, stupid or otherwise, just as a way to exercise those new muscles you're yeah. forming. I mean, this is some, I've mentioned this on the show as well, but like when I first tried to learn JavaScript, I tried to learn it from beginning to end through a book where it's like, here's a variable, here's a for loop, here's the syntax and the semantics of the language. And I got so fucking bored. Mm -hmm. It was horrible. I'm like, I don't, how is this applicable? And what I found to be much more engaging and personally more effective was to say, there's this problem that I want to solve. I'm going to Google the shit out of how to solve this with JavaScript. <laughs> Stack overflow this motherfucker. <laughs> and then when I go back and reread the syntax documentation, the book about it, 
then it makes sense in context. Like, oh, that's why that thing exists because I remember copying and pasting it and <laughs> being confused about why this semicolon was there, like why these commas were here. Uh-huh. And I'm I did, doing the same thing now with like Swift UI. I feel like you're mm-hmm. in that same boat as like, mm-hmm. uh, there's this really clear problem I need to solve. I'm not exactly sure. I'm going to like go Google the shit out of it. And then it presents this new problem. Oh, like I can't initialize variables in the body of a Swift UI view. Mm-hmm. Why is that? And then you go deep and like learn the semantics of that. Yeah. Um, okay. So, <laughs> yes, keep learning how to code. Yes. Uh, reach reach for that centaurness within you. Yeah. Your beautiful, powerful centaur. <laughs> Don't be ashamed of your uh, paper towel to horn duct taped to your forehead. Right. <laughs> One day you too could have a horse butt. <laughs> okay. Uh, Drew, I hope that was helpful. Let us yes. know if we missed anything. Thank you, for, thank you for the multi-part question. Hopefully we have answered it adequately. And uh, if you would like to leave a question for us to answer, you can either hit us up on Twitter or get at us on that GitHub thing. Hey. Links in the show notes. Let's do some cool things, Brian. All right, cool things me. Okay, I got a, I got a different one this week. This is a slight genre change kind of, I guess. Uh, Brian, do you like to cry? <laughs> do i like to cry i'm gonna make you cry listener i'm gonna make you cry but they're happy tears they're good tears i feel relieved when i cry but it does not happen frequently enough it happens so infrequently that when it does happen i feel an immense sense of relief interesting yeah i almost never cry i i, I like typically opt into crying like i'll watch a sad movie or mm. I'll, I'll go to a subreddit such as Happy Crying Dads, which is my cool thing this week. Are you aware of the subreddit? No, I've never Happy seen it. Happy Crying Dads. It is wholesome as fuck. It is what it sounds like. It's videos uh, of dads crying because they're happy. <laughs> I love it. So it's like you can get a sentiment from the name. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like seeing a seeing a dad cry will make me cry every time because dads don't usually cry right so yeah, like yeah. uh when you see a dad cry it's it's a it's a thing like it's it's either you know a son coming home from the military or there's one video of a, a dad putting on the colorblind glasses and seeing his son's red hair right or a son who had had a stepdad and for christmas gave him a paper that he had legally changed his name to his stepdad's last name, right? Like, this, I'm getting choked up just thinking about wow, it. But, like, yeah. it's this wholesome stuff that's, like, you scroll through and you tear up and it feels good and you get your little dopamine hit of of crying. Because if you're like me, you don't cry very often. My life is good. I don't have a whole lot of reason to cry, so I have to opt into it. <laughs> so And when I do... <laughs> Please this make is, me cry. This is my tearjerker of choice. Please anything. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No, I do feel things all the time. It's just always positive things, usually. So that's nice. Yeah. So, and I don't really like watching sappy movies too much. So this is this is my outlet of choice. So if you if you want to sit down and cry happy tears, make your eyes sweat, this is the place to go. R slash Happy Crying Dads. All right. Well, my cool thing this week gets us back on like nerdy web shit. So this cool thing, it's a couple weeks old. Cloudflare.design. It is a website. And I'm sure that you've heard of many company name dot design websites. Mm-hmm. Okay. What's unique about cloudflare.design? I'll tell you. Good question. 
At any point when you're visiting this web page, you can press the semicolon key on your keyboard. And in each section, you can now customize it, okay? So you go through each section of the page, you can customize there's different variants, there's color modes, you can choose whether or not the sections have borders. There's a few different properties that are customizable. So you say, oh, this is kind of interesting. I'm going through this website and they've made it so that I can change the way that it looks. But here's the cool thing, you can publish that. So when you finish making your changes, you can scroll to the bottom and hit publish. That will make the changes that you've made live for every other visitor to the website. And the cool thing is every iteration gets saved as a version. So, so far there are 253 versions that have saved and you can view those at any time by pressing the escape key and you can scroll through past iterations of the website, like see what color schemes different people chose. Or you can just go to the bottom and like click on a version and it'll take you to that version of the website. It's really cool. Here's the thing. I like this idea a lot. I want to figure out if there's an abstraction here of we have a website that has constraints where the constraints can be, we control them. People aren't gonna break our website, but we're gonna let people override them and make the website what they want. And then that can go live for everybody else. Pick my color scheme, pick my typeface, pick my layout. When I come back, is it the way I said it or is yeah. it the way the last person if said it? If you publish it, it'll be the way you said it. For yourself always. For everybody. Oh. For the entire internet. Until somebody else changes Until it. Until somebody else changes it. So when I come back again, it's going to be whatever the last person did. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> it's a fun idea. Uh, I feel like there's a seed of something interesting here of like remixing the web or making the web a little bit less. Isn't static. this Wikipedia? Yeah, but for like design, design. of pages. Yeah. So anyways, that's my cool thing. Cloudflare.design. Uh, go check it out. Go create your own iteration. Well, cool thing, Brian. You say that every week. I know. <laughs> well, I cool mean it thing. slightly less this week than I usually <laughs> do. <laughs> Semi-cool thing. All right. Uh, that was it. Let us know what you thought. Add on to our uh, questions for Drew. I think we did our best there, but if you have your own thoughts on like kind of the, the separation between web and product design, uh, migrating from print to web, and then, I don't know, do you think that possible to be a unicorn am i wrong let us know you can tweet at us on twitter at design details fm if you've been enjoying the show and you want to support us uh, you can do that directly now you can go to patreon.com slash design details you can support us for just a dollar a month that gets you access to a sponsor free private rss feed as well as access to bonus land content we've got two out yeah, yeah. and as we mentioned at the beginning of this episode plenty more to come in 2020 Mm -hmm. So thank you to everybody who's supporting us already. When we hit 128 supporters, we'll start working on some merch. So hopefully that'll be in the next month or two. Uh, yeah, patreon.com slash design details. If you need more podcasts for your ears, go to spec.fm. That's our podcast network for designers and developers just like you. Otherwise, you know, tweet at us. We like hearing from you. If you have a question, open it on our GitHub repo at github.com slash spec.fm. You'll find the design details repo there. Open an issue and uh, we'll get to it as soon as possible. Ask a good question. We'll get to it sooner. There you go. Leave us a review on iTunes. Oh. 
we haven't plugged this in a while. Yeah. <laughs> if you're enjoying the show, you can also review us on iTunes. That tells Apple that people are listening to the show and then they can suggest us to more people so more people will discover the podcast. Growth, Brian. Gotta grow it. Leave <laughs> us a review. We appreciate those. Uh, and we'll read those out loud. We always have read the reviews yeah. out loud, but we haven't gotten one in a while. Yeah. So now's your time. All right, everybody. We'll catch you next week. In the meantime, tweet at us. It makes us feel good. We like emails. <laughs> we do. We do like <laughs> talking to you. Yeah. All right. That's it. All right, buddy. Well, thanks for uh, joining me in my abode once again. This will become the norm in a month or so. And in the meantime, enjoy your trip to China. Hopefully, you are fluent by the time you land. I will be. Uh-huh. Uh, all right. Goodbye. Drew has a three-parter. Oh, boy. A three-fer. Uh-huh. I think that's what they call these. Sure. All right. I've heard two-fer. I don't know about three-fer, but I'll, I'll go with it. Yeah. Not to mention the very rare mythical four-fer. Four-fer. <laughs> <laughs> Five-fer, six-fer. Okay. Here we go.